You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. So good morning. What a privilege it is to be here. Thank you very much, Joe, um, for asking me to uh, come and speak. That's really good. Um, I've got somebody to show you. Who recognizes this little dude? Anybody seen him? Joan, what can you remember about it? When did you last see him? Got it. Sorry, I was juggling with a cup of tea and thinking it was on the bottom. Um, he, he, was on the, um, he was trying to impress the ladies um, uh, by doing that wonderful show there. And he was on um, uh, the uh, David Attenborough um, wildlife show that's on at the moment. And he needed to get up on a high rock to show off. Yeah, this is just such a cool dude. So he's in the middle of the desert. There's nothing else around except a few little bits of shrub and rocks. And he's saying, today is the day, ladies. And so he climbs up on this rock, which is about this big. And he's just there, you know, just doing this posturing. And you see him there for a good few hours. And then what happens is this other little dude comes along and says, well, I was on a smaller rock, but I really like that rock. And so there's this tussle, and he gets knocked off. And somebody else comes to take his place and wait for the ladies to turn up. Oh, that our lives were as simple as that, standing on the rock to get a partner for life. Um, I had a wedding invitation this week. Save the date. I was really excited because just literally a few days before this, I married these days. All my friends, you know, we did the weddings. Nobody's getting married. And then it comes. So at the tea table, I say, look, guys, we've got a wedding invite. Isn't that exciting? And one of my children said straight away, but weddings are just so hard. I said, what do you mean? It's great. He said, no. He said, mom, just full of people you don't know. And there's so much waiting around. We're going to look at a wedding this morning. Um, Throughout his time on earth, Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is near. It's happening now. And it's really, really good news. But what he was talking about the kingdom of God was not quite what the Jewish people at that time thought was the kingdom of God. And so he had to kind of match up where they were at with his, kind of what he thought the kingdom of God was. So what he did is he spoke in parables and he told lots of stories just to help them understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this, blah, 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 blah. The kingdom of God is like this, blah, blah, blah. And we've been doing that, looking at what the kingdom of God is. Two occasions, he used the idea. Julia is going to come up and read one of those parables. And I believe, Joe, are you doing the other one next week? The wedding banquet? Yes? Okay, Joe, next week, you're on, you're up here, you're wearing Whitney's thing. Okay, Julia, come and read this thing for us, thanks. I'm going to be reading from Matthew. First in Matthew 24 and then on to uh, chapter As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, 
What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but they didn't take any oil in jars along with their lamps. Now the bridegroom was a long time in coming and they became drowsy and they all fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are growing out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. And the virgins who were ready went in with him to the banquet, sorry, to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. So later the others came also and said, Sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Thank you, Julia. That's great. Um, so that's our parable this morning. And when Joa said, you know, can you do this parable? She said, oh, it's a bit all right if you do that. I just love it. Love this parable. This is probably one of my favorite parables, if not the most favorite parable I've got. But I noticed when it was advertised in the church news, it was something like, this is a, a bit of a problematic parable. So I'm just wondering, as you've heard that, what problems does that give for you? Are there any questions that come to mind? So I'm going to ask Paul, we're going to just try and just grab some of our questions, some of the things that we think, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand this bit. What was Jesus on about here? This doesn't make sense. What are our burning questions this morning? Paul, I'm always prepared by Wednesday. Please don't, <laughs> don't let the side down now. <laughs> so fire your questions at Paul. And we're going to try and answer these questions this morning. All right? First question answered. Okay. Good. So, any questions? Because if there's no questions, it's absolutely fine. We'll just shut down. We'll go into time of worship, and it's going to be great. Steve. Okay. What's your question? Why didn't they share their oil? Why didn't the five wise virgins share their oil? Hello? Yes, it is. Right, okay. Why? I've got about four questions. One question only. <laughs> then if your questions are... <laughs> okay, yeah. And um, why did all the women want him? Sorry, that's two questions. Julia, did do you have a hand up yeah. before yours? <laughs> did they know him? Joe and then Julia. Joan, sorry, Andy, thank you. I might forget my question. Um, why didn't the bridegroom recognise the five virgins at the end, at the end of the story, the very end of the story? He, he said, said, I, I do yeah, not recognise you. you. Was it the bridegroom who... who yeah, why did, he, why did the groom say, I don't know you? So why were five why shut out? Why did he say, I don't know you? The whole, like, trimming their wicks thing. <laughs> what? 
I don't understand the okay. whole, if you could explain the practical workings of oil lamps, that would be <laughs> wonderful, just for those of us that have never used those. Trimming your wick. Hey. That was a setup. She paid me to ask that. Trimming your wick. That is a burning question, really, isn't it? Was this a, a wedding tradition that they had to wait with lamps? Could, given that the there were five working lamps, couldn't they have waited without their lamps? What's significant about the lamps? Good questions. Really hard questions. Uh, if this is saying something about the kingdom of God, then uh, for it to end with uh, shutting people out and saying tough luck, what's that about? Okay, yeah. Exclusion uh, in the kingdom of God? And then do you just have one more question. And then, of course, if you've got any other burning questions, sorry, if you've got any key questions, then at the end of the service, we can see have they been answered by the talk. Why were there ten? lady came the other day. She was very big on the significance of numbers, wasn't she? Um, yeah. I can't remember what she said, but <laughs> <laughs> the numbers were significant. So, um, why ten? Cool. Okay, that's really great. If there's something that comes up in the course of what I'm talking about and you're saying, I really don't get that. That's raised another question. You think everybody needs to hear that. Please don't be afraid to put your hand up and ask. That's what my kids have to do at tea table. They have to put their hand up if they need to get in. They do because you're not there most of the time. So there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> they have to put their hand up. So please do put your hand up. Didn't you like Lee's prayer at the start? She prayed for any tension that had happened on the journey to church in the car. That was really interesting, wasn't it? Of course, there's no tension at our table at tea time. Okay, so the kingdom of God is like a wedding. And we've heard about the wedding, and it's generated quite a lot of questions. Now, I'm just wondering, is it a problematic ten text? Is the problem in the story that Jesus told, or is the problem with us reading it and hearing it? Here, in Bath, in the 21st century. And I think that a lot of that is to do with just problems with us, where we are right now. Because for us here, none of us have ever experienced what it was like to be married in the first century in Palestine. So we don't know what a wedding was like. We don't know about the customs. We don't know about 10. We don't know why there were virgins. We don't know why there were lamps. We don't know that stuff. There's a danger, too, that we are bringing to our understanding of this parable some of the stuff that we've inherited on our way, our inherited theology, that perhaps say... And that may not be quite right. And we are trying to make this parable answer a lot of questions. And Jesus said, hang, hang on, just chill. I only want to say this about the kingdom of God in this parable. It's not about this, this, this. So don't try and make this parable answer questions that I didn't set out to answer in the first place. So that might be something else that we've got a problem with. And also we're coming to this with our Western world view, aren't we? Where here, just for example, we, you know, we want to stay young, don't we? We, want, we think to be young 
is to be happy. And we really like it when the sun shines. But in first century Palestine, age brought wisdom. And when it rains, glory be, the rains have come for the harvest. So it was good. So we're approaching this a little bit differently. And one of the things that we, we, we do that I want you to try and switch off your brains this morning is we try to use our logic, our reason, our scientific way of analyzing things to analyze a story that wasn't intended to be dissected in that way. So we can't, or we shouldn't, come to this and say, if this means this, then this means this. And then in this verse, if this means this, then this means this. So therefore, I conclude from this that this is true. That's not how they would have heard it. When they would have heard it, their truth would have come from their experience of the moment. And that's very different from a rational way of thinking to arrive at truth. It's what their hearts were telling them. I'm not saying switch off your brain and don't use reasoning. That's important. And Paul uses more logic and rational thinking. But that was only just beginning to emerge. So what we have got to do is we've got to now travel back to try and experience a first century Jewish wedding. So today, what we're going to try and do is two main things. We're going to try and do number one and two. We're going to try and see what it was like to be married in Jewish times, what happened. And then we're going to think about what might possibly Jesus have wanted his listeners to hear and to see, to experience in that moment of time. I think that's probably mainly what we've got time for this morning. We might touch a little bit on Matthew, because it's written in a place in Matthew, Julia read the verse that came a little bit before this. We need to think about, actually, what was the question that was being asked? When is the age to come going to happen? And, of course, what God might want us to see or hear this morning. That part is mainly going to be you reflecting at the end. Okay, so mainly it's one and two this morning. We're going to try and just recreate this scene. Okay, so we can be people who walk in the dust of our rabbi, Jesus. I love that phrase. It's from Rob Bell. Walk in the dust of our rabbi, Jesus. Okay, so Jewish weddings. What were they about? Before we just start talking about them, you need to know, um, if I meet one of you and I didn't know you, we met in a cafe, I'd say, hello, Joel. I want to get to know Joel a little bit better. What do you do, Joel? Okay. 2,000 years ago, if I met Joel, it would not be, what do you do, Joel? It would be, who's your father, Joel? Identity in first century Palestine was all to do with your family. Who was your dad? Who you were connected to? Because of that reason, marriages were very, very important. And the point of a marriage and the wedding was not about falling in love. It was to make a successful union to get the right person so that you could have a big family to continue the family line. So marriages were really important. And there were two parts to a marriage. Okay, the first part was the betrothal. The second part was the wedding. So we had the kedushin and the chuppah. 
two different bits. So the betrothal, what happens in the betrothal? At that point, the families have been talking probably for years and they've made the decision, it's that boy, that bloke, usually between 18 and 30, and that girl, usually between about 13 and 16. Those are the two people, the families decide. And they have kind of some agreement that they, they make. And the picture up there is a contract from um, around about 500 BC. It's the first Jewish contract that we have. And it was a financial agreement. And when this contract was signed, what they were doing is the, the groom's family would buy the woman. They would buy the girl. She was an object. She was property. They would buy her. By the time we got to Jesus' time, it wasn't quite as harsh as that. And there was a sense that women were people in their own right. And things were beginning to change. So at the betrothal, what would happen is that they would, they would just family. And then as a sign that the bride accepted, she would have a glass of wine, which represented blood of the covenant, because they were making a covenant. And then that would be the sign that she'd accepted, and the groom would do the same. So the blood, the wine, was a sign that the covenant had been made. Okay, And she was then legally married. She could not marry anybody else unless she got divorced. And then what he would do, the groom, he would then go back to his father's house and prepare a groom-to-be would go back to his father's house and prepare a room because the couple there would live in his father's house. And then when the room in his father's house was ready, the groom then would go to collect the bride that he had already paid the price for and he would take her to live in his father's house. And if anybody asked him, they were saying, come on, when's this wedding going to be, Joseph? When's it going to happen? You know, we need a party in the village. He would say, I'm sorry, only my father knew the time's going to be. Because, of course, his father was supervising the works in the house. So his father knew when the room would be ready. So then the wedding. What happened at the wedding? Because this is what Jesus is talking about. So in the wedding... It usually lasts about a week. Weddings usually happened in the autumn when the harvest had come in and the evenings were warm. A lot of the partying at a Jewish wedding happened in the evenings, dancing, drinking wine outside. It was a real holiday time in the village. The groom would need to let the bride know it's ready. The bride and the groom would let the, need the village know that it was ready. So they needed some kind of message system to say, it's now time to party. And this is where those ten virgins come into the picture. So traditionally, when it was time to go, a party would be sent out. And it was always ten people. I don't know why it's ten. Okay, I can't answer that question. I haven't found that out. But it was ten people. And I think that we might be a little bit distracted by, okay, there were 10 virgins. Basically, there were 10 friends, 10 mates of the groom. But they were also friends of the bride. So there were 10 friends, and they were traditionally young females. And those friends would go.
go out and symbolically they would wait with lamps. And their job was to wait. And when the groom had got the bride, they were going to welcome them in. Now, I've looked into this and there's a few different in kind of translations or interpretations of what actually happened. I couldn't quite work out whether these 10 people waited at the bride's home and when they saw the groom come in, they kind of lit their lamps and cheered, or whether these 10 people waited at the groom's home, just outside the door a little bit, and then when they saw the groom and the bride come in, then they'd light their lamps and cheer them in. I think they're probably going to be in the middle of the bride's house and the groom's house, okay? So imagine a groom, gone to the bride's house, picked up bride, they've come there, it's ready, it's time now, light your lamps, women, tell the village, it's time to go. So then they'd light their lamps, 10 of them, and they'd start singing their wedding songs from Song of Solomon, and everybody would know, it's time, it's time, it's time, let's go, let's go, let's go. Everybody from the village would be invited. So their role was to announce, important for us to remember, they had lamps to light up the evening because it was dark, and they sang. And their role was a symbolic role, because I guess it was a small role, but it was to say. So that was a Jewish wedding. That was their role. And then what would happen, the party would come in, they'd separate for that evening, and then they'd come together the next day for the wedding back. So that's just a little bit about a Jewish. So it's just to say, answer some of those questions. It happened at evening, they needed lamp. In telling this story, this is not a story that's supposed to tell us more about the about the friends of the groom and the friends was on those ten virgins. They would have been instantly gone back to what they would know about the Old Testament about weddings. And if you read in the Song of Solomon, it's not just about the groom and the bride, the lover and the beloved. And the friends are people who love the bride and love the groom. So we had one of these questions is, um, blah, blah, blah. why were they so, in, why, why, why was he so popular? These friends, they, they, they were just, they loved the bridegroom, they loved the group. They just wanted to bring them together. They wanted this wedding to work. They wanted this marriage to work. And Jesus is saying, I want you to think about these friends. I want you to know there's something about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works that's to do with these friends, to do with my friends. My friends have got a role to play. Because my friends love the bride. My friends love the church. My friends are those who want to make sure that the village knows that the wedding is happening. And I want to tell you something about my friends. John the Baptist was one of John's friends. And in John, in John it says, John is describing himself saying, The friend who waits for the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly. These friends, these ten virgins, these young and the disciples knew that they would have been excited. But what Jesus is telling them now 
with this situation. Something can go wrong in my kingdom with those time to this party. And what he's saying is there's a danger that they're not going to be ready. There's a danger that they're not going to be ready when I come because when I come, nobody's going to really know. At this point, I'm going to pass over to my learned assistant here. Hello. Okay. So if you just get the mic again, trimming the wick. That was a question that came up. Can you just explain about trimming the wick, please? I'm not sure. Um, well, explain know. how well, a lamp I, works I in principle <laughs> for those who have no scientific. This lamp, this lamp comes from South Africa, um, and uh, it's a basic paraffin lamp. So there's paraffin in the bottom there, and there's a, a piece of material which the paraffin soaks up. This is paraffin. This is paraffin-soaked material, uh, and it will burn. And I, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I know how this works. And if you set this wick uh, higher, then you get a bigger flame. If you set it, the flame dies away. Now, I've never trimmed this wick, but I presume that if the wick got worn out for some reason, or it, get, it gradually gets burnt away, so you need to put more trimming the wick. That's the only. Does anybody else have more of an, an idea about paraffin lamps than I do? <laughs> Well, certainly set it, setting the height of that piece of material changes the height of the flame. Okay, so they, uh, the lamps that they would have had wouldn't have been quite as sophisticated as that. What they would have been was a stick with a bit of oil on the top in a plate, and the wick would have been a cloth. So they would have had to tidy up their cloth a little bit so it could burn efficiently. So that's that question answered. Okay, but they ran out of oil. And... They couldn't go and get it from somebody else. They had to have their own oil. Well, think about why, why that is. And I, as you're hearing this, what do you think the disciples, how do you think the disciples would have responded to that story? Okay, so you'd be thinking, oh, have I got oil? Okay. And what do you think the oil might be? Okay, right, we'll stop there. What else might the disciples be thinking? Okay, so you wouldn't have identified. No, yeah, okay. If I was one of those disciples, I'd be thinking, Jesus, this is just such an unfair story. This is rubbish. Jesus, what you're saying is this bridegroom took a stupid amount of time. Everybody knows these lamps only burn for about 15 minutes, and you're expecting them to have oil, not just for 15 minutes, but for a couple of hours. Nobody gets married at midnight about this door you know there are 500 people that come into this wedding everybody's gonna be there what do you mean the door is shut because this wedding goes on for a week and there's like six doors to the house they're opening and closing all the time there's the area in the middle so I just they they would have had some questions about actually it's not fair because there's an unreasonable amount of time and the door what do you mean the door I don't understand. The door, Jesus. Yes. Well, that's a good question. They, but I think they'd started off thinking he's going to be here in a minute, so they started to go out. So it does say that their lamps are just starting to go out. They're just on the way out, and they've got no more oil to keep it going. So they, they didn't have a reservoir or an excess to keep it going. But that is, that's a good question. So I'm just... So just thinking about this, think, well, what could Jesus mean by all of this? And this is only my kind of conjecture, my kind of like 
thinking it through. Because this is all about the kingdom of God. So I have to relate this to what else Jesus said about the kingdom of God now. So I'm first of all thinking what the lamp is. The oil, when they thought about Jesus, just began to talk about the But I've been thinking about that door being closed. I am in this story because that time between the balance is there. So you've got that time that Dave was talking about last week where we have to use our talents wisely. But we do need to just talk about this door being shut. I keep mentioning it. Okay. And if we get, we need to know that thing in the wedding, which only a few people would be in that part. But then the wedding would be the whole village that they might not be able to experience because I know who you are and I know where you live, but, but actually we have to see. And I think that knowing, I don't, it can't be he's saying, well, I don't know you because actually he knows who you are. You're, you live in the same village. You live next door to each other. It's not, it's not, I don't know who you are. It's saying actually that you should have had to like the way you don't. There's something missing in our relationship. I asked you to get oil. I was relying on you to have oil. I really thought that I could rely on you, but you didn't do it. And actually, there's this part of the kingdom now that you can't be part of. And that isn't eternity. That isn't 365 days plus 365 days plus 365. That is just part of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is here now. And if we think that door is a separation between everything that's happening now and everything that's happened to come in eternal life, We've, we've got some heard about the fact that the wedding is now. And there's something about life in the kingdom and hope and restoration and liberty and freedom and sight for the blind that happens. Because otherwise, there's some bits of that that you're going to miss out on if you haven't got the oil. And the oil is clearly, clearly, clearly. Make sure you're not relying on others in your family, others in the church, in your relationship with God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you can't, you can't get a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit from somebody else. You have to... I've always wanted to say that. You listen to them coming into land now. All right. Okay. I said that I'm going to let you reflect on what God wants to say to you. But I do need to say this. To Oasis Church Bath, I think that there is something really, 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 really important for us to grasp here. Okay. Because, if, and if you're new to the church, I'm just going to give you two-minute history. Okay. About 10 years ago, somebody came and spoke to us and said, Hey, Hill Baptist Church, you are called to be water carriers. And we've had this theme of bringing refreshment. And then September last year, Steve Chalk came and talked to us about a wedding. And at the same time, he's, he's talking about a wedding. And I think, my goodness, I've got a word about being wine carriers. And now there's another message. Be light carrying. God might be steering our path as a community. First of all, he's needed a little bit of wine. You need gallons of water to survive your day. You don't oasis. And now he's saying, actually, it's not about that. It's about being vocal and being and saying, now is the time to come and join. Play it now. And in this song, it's got the fact. It's quiet, friend. 
You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.